International Broadcasting lives on 5085. The big one. WTWW. Please stand by as we get ready to launch another episode of this Reality Radio Cafe Cast with your host and my husband, Denny J, K5DCC. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition, lift off. Now grab your glass and get ready to fill it up with some radio on the rocks. Vehicles pitching downrange. Good morning, Mello. Mello's on the road, I can tell. Yes, good morning. I have you on my Bluetooth speaker, so I'm probably going to sound weird. But uh, let's see, I am... I have 409 miles to go. I started out at about 750 or something like that, or 730. So I've made some good uh, progress. Only uh, made a couple of stops so far for fuel and for the bathroom. <laughs> have you got good weather to travel in? Yep, yep. It is sunny right now, uh, 49 degrees, and just outside of uh, Fredericksburg, Pennsylvania. Oh, wonderful. Well, I bet you're just like that horse heading for home, aren't you? Oh, you know it. You know it. My bride should be calling me in a few minutes. She already sent me a message letting me know she was going to call me in a few. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, you won't be here very long then, I don't imagine. Uh, once she calls, I'll get on with her, and then I'll jump back in if you guys are still here. Okay. Well, I wasn't even going to do one this morning, but I thought, oh, what the heck. Let's just see if uh, Mello's on the road. I thought it'd be kind of neat to catch you driving there. And how many radios have you got beside you in the seat? Oh, uh, well, let's see. I, I have my uh, 7250 connected to the old nano spot here. And then I've got my, uh, I've, only, I've only got one radio going today. I've only got the 7250. I've got it connected to America Link just to hear some traffic, but it's been kind of quiet this morning. And then Every once in a while, I turn Zello on to see if there's anybody, and that's kind of quiet this morning, too. So I've been listening to some Christian music and uh, just enjoying the scenery, a nice sunny day, and nice temperatures. Very good. Well, we're looking forward to church this morning. I think we got some ham buddies are going to come again. Dale and Terry indicated last night that they wanted to come when they heard we were going to do some special music. Probably heard from James and Linda, who were there last week. I think they enjoyed it. I hope they come back again. So we may turn into a ham church pretty soon. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I got one of my boys in blue there in the center medium. Just went by him. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, been, I've been staying either on or under anyway, so no big deal. I hope you're not in that hot red sports car with uh, the tinted windows. And <laughs> <laughs> nope. Now I am in the... Blue uh, Honda CRV with uh, tinted windows. <laughs> You're not pulling a trailer, too, are you? No, no, no. I've got this loaded up, and then uh, I have uh, some good friends that are going to go by my old neighbor's house and uh, pick up the rest of our stuff there. They're heading over to their oldest daughter's house in Virginia. They're going to drop our stuff off there, and then we're going to drive up to Virginia and pick it up. Okay, very good. Well, when I think of being uh, on the road in the old days, remember how you'd have to program your radio to catch all the repeaters as you go? What a pain, huh? <laughs> yeah, now I just keep uh, the old hotspots going and uh, Zello and no programming, no fishing, no none of that stuff. <laughs> and you get to talk to the same people the whole way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's the... <laughs> I that's a little more a little more comfortable and a lot better for paying attention to the road. Yeah, but that's not real radio, don't you know? <laughs> oh my goodness, I know, huh? And good morning, <laughs> brother Daniel. I see you there on the side, uh, and not not ignoring you. <laughs> You're breaking up a little bit there, Daniel. Sorry, I'm gonna be on the side. Oh, it's it's doing weird stuff. You're kind of in and out. I don't know if it's your Wi-Fi or cell coverage, but all of a sudden you went way down in the weeds, breaking yeah, up. We couldn't understand you. 
Yeah, I see. I see that uh, Professor Jim is uh, will be in after the dog, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I must have said something last night or yesterday about. I think we'll skip Sunday, but you I thought did. nah. That's what I thought too. I didn't think you'd be on this morning. Yeah, well, you know, I thought of you on the road. I woke up this morning about four, and I was praying for you for your safety. I thought, uh, Brother Mello's on the road by now, for sure. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to have you check in with us and tell us how your journey is going. And I uh, appreciate it. I appreciate it. appreciate the prayers. I've had several people uh, let me know they were praying for me for safe travels. So all the prayers are definitely coming in. But uh, I should be uh, hearing from my bride soon, so I'll bump out of here. But I'll uh, try to jump back in once we're done. All right. Sounds good. Say hi to Chris for us. Will do. God bless. God bless. Anyway, welcome everybody to uh, the Digicom Cafe and our morning cafe cast. It's Sunday, April 18th, and we've uh, got, uh, I think, a thread of more showers again today. We're going through a cool spring. Yesterday, we never even hit 60, and it was drizzly and raining off and on throughout the day. I think this week coming, we're even expecting to have one night of frost again, so the winter weather is uh, not totally gone yet. We're waiting to see when the uh, hot, humid weather starts rolling in here and in the beautiful Ozarks of northwest Arkansas. Typically, it's warmer than this, but anyway, we're uh, up and at them. Got our cup of coffee here. Uh, go ahead and pull up a chair to the table and uh, listen in on the conversation. If you want to check in and participate, just go to k5dcc.com. That'll take you right into our Telegram group. And then click the Join button at the top to join our voice chat. And uh, we may call on you to tell your stories. And there he is. Professor Jim has just pulled up to the table. Good morning. Surprise, surprise. Good morning. I thought you uh, said yesterday you were going to bypass today in preparation for your singing project. Yeah, well, that, that changed. We're going to sing something different. So, uh, And we were practicing <laughs> for quite a bit last night. It's going to be fun. Our music minister and Mary Joyce will be playing the piano together. Oh, they tickle the ivory so beautifully. It's going to be fun. But anyway, well, I just was thinking this morning about uh, Bro Brother Mello being on the road. You know, he was on the road long before we got up. And we he just checked in a little while ago. He's uh, out of his 720-mile trip or something like that. He's, at, he's only got 400 and some left. So his wife was calling in, so he bowed out. But he said he may be back. But he's doing well. I guess it's sunny and a little cool in the 40s on his trip. But I thought it might be kind of fun to catch him on the road. Indeed. Uh, I, <clears throat> you caught me a little bit by surprise. I was just laying in bed reading about the ICOM 7300. Oh. So who did you order that from? DX Engineering. All right. And they're out, huh? They're out. And so is Giga, Giga something. Gigaparts. Gigaparts. Must be a popular radio. I think it is. But uh, <laughs> Maybe you should have ordered the seven, 705. What is that? Is that the that's, one you have? They're portable one. No, no, oh. no, no. no. I, I, it's a little portable one. It'll it even, even run on the battery that's part of your uh, ID51. Well, and it's I HF and D star and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more pricey though, isn't it? Actually, I don't know. I, I, I didn't oh. even, <laughs> I didn't even consider that one. Okay. They give you any idea what the, uh, estimated time of arrival will be. The estimated time of shipping to me is May 6th. Well, that's not too long to wait. No. Give you plenty of time to get that antenna up. Yes. Uh, the antenna, or the, <laughs> the chimney people who are going to install the antenna as well are coming uh, late April. So that should be okay. fine. Very good. Uh, since I was caught a little bit by surprise, I don't even have a what if for today. Yeah. Uh, we won't worry about it. We'll just hang out. Daniel's eating lunch over there. 
He's having uh, sushi. No. <laughs> What'd you call it, Daniel? No, he was having uh, um, macaroni cheese with moussaka, and I've just finished. I'm back in my studio. Moussaka. That has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Sounds like a macaroni and cheese drink. So I had a... <clears throat> I had one of those crimper jaws things for just putting loops on the end of wires that you could put a bolt through, that kind of thing. Yep. And so DX Engineering had dies for the uh, uh, power pole connectors, and, and it looked like they would fit. And mm-hmm. so I ordered just the dies. And they just almost fit. The the holes line up by, or they lack lining up probably by half a millimeter. Huh. And so I just ordered another set of plugs. That's something you can 3D print? No. (laughs) 3D (laughs) plastic wouldn't take the pressure, so... (laughs) Hey, well, they make guns, don't they? Well, probably for single shots, yeah. But that would, <laughs> yeah. you'd have to be careful about what kind of plastic you use, too, I guess. I suppose, yeah. Well, it sounds like people can 3D print anything they want, practically. Which, by the way, I, I never got to finish this talk with you yesterday about this little case you're building for me. Isn't it possible to build 3D print something like that with parts? With the built-in necessary gap you need between the parts. I mean, I've seen projects where guys printed uh, a multiple set of gears that all interact with each other out of one print. Yeah, that it is possible, and that that's just amazes me. Um, I have mm-hmm. printed oh, it's maybe an inch, inch and a half in diameter, two inches maybe, um, a nut. To go on, uh, well, what I did is uh, I made a friction fee, ro- friction free roller assembly for loading a full roll of filament and letting it roll on this roller. And the end of the roller has roller skeet bearing. Roller skeet. I can't talk this morning. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the, uh, the roller has roller skate bearings so it the shaft in other words the roller shaft actually turns in bearings yeah and uh, that that whole roller assembly has screw threads on the end of it and then i printed a nut to go on that now i didn't design that i got i very innovative designers put their stuff on something called thing i verse and I downloaded the plans for that. You don't uh, say I, it that way, though. It's Thingiverse. Well, Thingiverse. I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to say it so you'll un- you understand how to spell it. Right, right. Well, when you Thing think about I-verse. how 3D printing works, I mean, if you take any any kind of a machine or tool or gears or whatever, and just imagine taking a slice at a time right through it, that would include. Yep. All the gaps, although I imagine it would be a problem. It's not exactly like that because sometimes those those pieces are touching each other, actually, and I don't know if you can separate them by anything well, less than what the resolution of the print is, right? I can see, well, the resolution of the print is controlled by a number of factors, the layer thickness right. and the size of the nozzle, which can vary. Right. I think I'm using a, a 0.4 millimeter nozzle, which is this kind of the generic standard, but you can get 0.3 and 0.2 and so forth. And <clears throat> the uh, I can see how this might be done because, and I actually had to use this for the thing I'm printing for you, uh, generate support structures. That is, if you have something, have a piece that's partly connected to the, the base, but then comes up a little bit and then extends out. If that angle is too severe, you need to print a support. Otherwise, you just string across 
and the strings droop and so forth. And there's a variety of ways that the, the, the supports, and there must be 10 or 15 of them in the slicer I use, they, they do attach to the piece, but loosely, so that you can yeah. grab a pair of pliers and twist off the support and it pops right out. Uh, or you take a, I generally use my, uh, I have a folding hunting knife, you know, the kind that a lot of people yeah. carry in their pocket with the little clip. And yeah. uh, I generally use the blade of that to start the pry off of the support, and then I can grab a hold of it with something, a fingernail or something. So, yes, you can have things that are attached for printing purposes, but easily separate. So I could imagine, let's say you were printing the screw thread and the nut that goes on it all at the same time. I can imagine how there might be some points of contact that when the piece was done, you could just grab a hold of the nut and twist it and the contacts would break right off. Yeah. Now, I don't know that that's how they do it, but that's that's one thing that I think could be possible. I've just not done it that way. Yeah. Have you I, looked into the stuff where they're printing things like ears and tissue? Yes. and Or even uh, uh, orthopedic surgeons can print pieces of bone, you know, or mm. things that bone tissue will adhere to weird i remember uh my campus had the school of iu school of medicine and, and the conferences in the conference center were often medically related and i remember walking through a table of vendors one day and there were these white pieces strangely shaped laying on a table and of course i stopped to ask what that was all about and uh the med medical people can do various kinds of Im imaging of our insides. For example, let's say somebody has cancer of the jaw, and that jaw, part of that jaw needs to be removed. Well, they can image the present jaw, uh, and then they can... Uh, and I don't know what the technology would be, but, you know, MR, MRI or various machines with initials can look at our insides. So it's, it's entirely possible to get a 3D image of that jaw. And then the surgeon takes out uh, a piece of jaw and inserts something that was made to exactly the same shape and size that bone tissue can adhere to and grow back into. So... That was, oh, I saw that probably 20 years ago. Hmm. And uh, did you know you could 3D print a printed circuit? No. I'm looking at the site right now, and I see some cute projects. Right on the front page is one called Fun Nightlight. Looks like a guy with his feet <laughs> against the wall trying to pull the plug out. <laughs> How cute well, is that? Well, um the uh I forgot what I was talking about. This happens. We're talking about printing flesh. Hmm. No, I'm blanking. There must be thousands of You should here you should site. never interrupt a professor. They lose entirely <laughs> what they <laughs> Always thinking ahead, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> or behind. <laughs> yeah, right. But, well, it'll come to me in about 15 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My humble apologies. <laughs> maybe maybe you should uh, 3D print oh, a paper I know. clip I, for your thoughts. <laughs> now, stop interrupting me. Yeah, I okay, know what okay. I was going to talk about. We were 3D printing. I may save this after all. <laughs> 3D, 3D printing a printed circuit. So, how do you do that? Well, yeah, that's what you're telling. You can get filament that is in that that contains uh, copper particles, right? So you just design your circuit and print it out, and there you go, yeah. solder right to it. 
So how many different kinds of uh, material can you purchase to print from? You, you can actually have metal type stuff too? Yes. You can have in wood. You can have... Uh, um, no. Yes. Yeah, oh, yes. Huh. So, <laughs> yes, you can print something that is embedded with wood. And it looks, the finished piece looks like wood and you can... You know, cut it with a knife and file it and all that stuff. Shape, you know, do some finishing on it. Um, other kinds of metals, like I, 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 I haven't tried this because you, you need to uh, changing the nozzle is not, it's not on a difficulty scale of one to ten. I would say it's a six or seven. It's. It's more of an annoyance. It takes time, and uh, I, I don't really want to change nozzles on a regular basis. But if you print with some filaments that are embedded with, say, wood particles or metal particles and so forth, that's going to wear out the, uh, the, the standard nozzles made out of brass. You start running abrasive filaments through the brass, and it will just... You know, if you're starting out with a, four, a 0.4 millimeter hole in that brass nozzle and you start printing with abrasive filaments, well, pretty soon that 0.4 is going to be 0.5 and 0.6 and 0.7 and so forth. So you have to replace <laughs> replace the brass nozzle with a steel nozzle of whatever size you want because that's wow. the steel can take the abrasion better than the brass can. Yeah. So it's it's just kind of messing around and you know it's Yeah. I haven't had the occasion to print anything other than with what's called PLA and don't ask me what that stands for. I've already forgotten. It's a terrorist group. <laughs> <laughs> I just did a search for um nano vna and there's a lot of projects there already oh yeah so yep. you, did you do the first one with the white case oh i don't know where you've got the I... little drawer that's on the right side yeah there's a drawer on the right side that flips open yes and it says nano vna on it not anymore oh what is oh it's my call side yeah <laughs> Oh, cool. I'm going to bring that to the club, our next club meeting, and I'm going to... Yeah, you, you, show you'll have to show that off. So yeah. wh what I did is I brought the lid into Fusion 360 and uh, drew something on top of the Nano VNA and extruded it downward until I got rid of the dent. Uh, that. Yeah. Uh, and then I added your call letters and extruded that up. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. So it says Digicom Cafe too? No, it just says has your no. call letters. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was looking. It looks like it's what kind you, of what embossed. Do, Look. What do you want for free? <laughs> yeah, I know it. Hey, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm just trying to visualize. I heard you describing it. It looked like one was going one way and the call's going the other. No, the... Uh, um, and in, in researching how to do this, I found out there was a new feature of Fusion 360 that made this pretty easy to do. It would, when I started out doing it, I had previously researched how to put letters on something and it was somewhat complicated, but now there's a new feature in the software that makes it pretty easy. Uh, well, that's going to be really cool. So you have to, and I'll go test everybody's HT antennas and show them how bad they are. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not, right. If they're using the cheap ones, it'll be better. <laughs> well, or or does uh, SWR doesn't really, mean anything. <laughs> does, it, does it mean anything? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll uh, tell you, that's, uh, that's, that's going to be a hard one to erase from my brain. Because I've know. always, I've grown up believing SWR is the deal. You know? Yeah, me too. 
Well, that might make a good uh, conversation starter for our next net tomorrow night, too. Ask about, does SWR really matter? Well, I'll mention I think about my testing on my antennas. We should get John Portoon thinking about that and getting back on after he's thought about yeah. it a while. Yeah, I'll send him an email. Uh, send him the maybe... link. Send him the link to that article. Yeah, and, yeah I'll and do that. Tell, and then uh, tell him we'd like to get him back on and have his thoughts on SWR. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Well, gosh, this should, this would make a nice short little uh, episode here with just the fun with Mello and talking about the case you're building and 3D printing. You're going to get me into this hobby here yet, the way I, I can't. The way I, I honestly can't believe you're not already there. I mean, <laughs> well, this you got to is... have something I don't have. <laughs> you have lots of stuff I don't have. <laughs> Including a lot of knowledge and a beautiful singing voice, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. Wasn't that fun? Did you did you kind of re remember the old days in recording the technology? Yes. We were... What I was laughing because uh, in your re recording video, you had two videos you posted. I watched them both. Oh. And the you. one one where your wife and the recording engineer are doing stuff. Uh, yeah. At some point, you start singing. And the recording engineer and your wife are totally ignoring you. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, I wasn't singing actually. I mean, it was just in the recording there, checking things out, and that wasn't the final mix at all. Oh, uh, I, I thought you were singing and they were just ignoring you. Uh, no, they're playing it back and they're just kind of, you know, how you okay. do, if you've been in a recording project like that, you've got to look at all these different things. My wife was saying that she, she was hearing this kind of the, a hisser, like the flow of water in the beginning and she didn't know where they came from and brad was like yeah i don't i don't remember putting that in there but she said i really liked it you know this is what she was hoping we could maybe get a little bit more of just kind of this rushing sound you know but anyway it's, it's a fun process how how wide was that tape was that two inches wide? two inches yeah the first video track. the first video project i did in in my company in uh, Minneapolis, the client wanted it shot on one-inch tape in the field, and the, fi the final release was going to be on three-quarter-inch umatic cartridges. So they wanted it shot in one-inch for release in three-quarter-inch. So that was a mm. hassle. Well, the mix down of these things is uh, what's really fun. I mean, we listen to it over and over again, and then we'd make our critiques saying, well, we, we, could we bring this up a little more here and this down over here? And so we would rehearse it on the board. We'd have hands all over the board. In fact, one of the guys that we had, uh, our producer, Brad, had hired for our guitar background, uh, Kent Saunders. He used to travel with the Letterman on the road and played with them. Anyway, he loved this project. He loved the message. Uh, it was all family and faith type orient, oriented stuff, all stuff that my wife had written. And he said, can I be part of the final mix? And I, we said, sure. He said, I'll do it for nothing. I just, I just want to be part of this. And so we'd go through, re rehearse what we're going to do, and then it was all hands on deck. And we'd start uh, the mix from the two inch down to the quarter inch and just everybody moving their thing, pushing the button, moving the sliders, you know, to get it at just the right time. Took a couple times to get it perfect, but that was fun. I really enjoyed that. And then the result was like, wow. Of course, I I could not do that anymore because Why? of my hearing loss. Oh, sure, sure. Sure. Yeah, we had uh, we had some real talent there. Chris Brad knows all the musicians in the Twin Cities. We had one song where he said, we need to have an oboe here. And would you be willing to pay for this oboist? Uh, it's $300 regardless of how much time. So, I mean, we, we paid the regular union wages for these musicians and she came in for, uh, just under an hour and did her thing. And, uh, it just added such a dimension to the song, but 300 bucks. Yeah. And then we had did another you? guy who was a well-known sax player in the area. And, uh, he, he came and broke open his case and out comes this old beat up saxophone. 
He said it was made out of World War II bombshells. And it was just a, a classic piece. But we gave him the chord charts to uh, a couple of the songs, and that's all it took. One cut. And he filled it up with you know, runs, notes that you wouldn't imagine you could play on a saxophone. And I was a saxophone player myself, so uh, to hear him was just, I just melted. It was beautiful. Have you ever encountered the Maui Zafoon? Uh, no. <laughs> well, you'd have fun with that. I had one for a while. It, my, my original Maui. <laughs> well, I'll tell you how this happened. My daughter was well, in high school. Well, first of all, it sounds like a 3D printed instrument to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose you could print one now. But there are plastic versions. It's it's still on the market. So my daughter was in high school, and she played clarinet. And one time, I heard her crying. And she was sitting in her bed with probably 20 clarinet reeds spread around the bedspread. And she was just absolutely frustrated. And, and I had been going across town every other week buying clarinet reeds. And, of course, she was searching for the perfect reed. And, and she wasn't finding it. So I'm in Acapulco Joe's Mexican restaurant one day. And I see this guy sitting alone, and he has this thing sticking out of his back pocket that looked intriguing. And you know me, if I see something on somebody that looks intriguing, I just go up and ask him, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and this guy played in the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra as an occupation, and he pulled that thing out of his pocket, and it was a bamboo Maui, as in the Hawaiian Islands, Maui Zafoon, Z A P H. O-O-N, I think. Hmm. And it is a piece of bamboo that looks kind of like a, a bamboo version of a recorder. And at the end of it is a saxophone reed. And that thing is so mellow, you wouldn't believe it. Hmm. And the, the original instructions with it were kind of funny you know play it in a cave play it in a subway uh play it you know where wherever it will resonate and it had it actually had a beautiful tone and since it had a sax reed people with that kind of embouchure could play it easily it was a bit more difficult for me because when i was growing up i was a trumpet player so mm. uh, but anyway let me let me just do a quick you'll have to play it for us oh i gave it to my granddaughter who was oh, okay uh playing sax let's see m-a-u-i-c-a-p-h-o-o-n now it's x-z maui's Zephoon bamboo sax pocket sax and they're now $84 on Amazon, and there's all kinds of plastic versions, but the original was bamboo. And there is mm -hmm. even a video on, uh, let me see if I can get this link to this video. Okay, wait a minute. How, how can I get, I'm, I'm on my new Windows machine and I'm trying to figure out how to get the link. <laughs> All right. I think I got it. Tell them, let me find Telegram here. Where the I'm heck is Telegram? I just shared that uh, plan for the Nano VNA case that you're making. That is so cool. I want to get me one of them. You got to get what Jim's got. Um, you know, these 3D printers were thousands of dollars just a few years ago, and now, commonly, uh, they're 
they're under two hundred dollars for a basic, you know, as really? they say, some assembly required. But there's <laughs> some there's some really good videos out there on how to set up the cheap ones effectively yeah. and the yours is not a cheap one, I assume. Uh it it sort of as a kit, it came partially assembled and had lots of other assembly to go. Mine is the Ender E N D E R Pro Three or Ender Three Pro, rather. And it's a very, very popular one. So there's lots and lots of stuff out there on the net about this printer. I'm looking it up right now. Hey, that's not very expensive. No. But but realize, like ham radio, or like photography, this is just the baseline of expense. Right, right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you got all the materials, and now do you? Yeah. You don't have to pay for these plans, do you? On uh, Thingiverse? No, not on Thingiverse. And and I I have uh, designed a bunch of stuff myself that are just custom to my applications. So I don't, I haven't put anything on Thingiverse yet because I haven't. You know, I made a filter drawer, I made a filter holder for a Bessler slide copier, for example. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Because you can only get these Bessler slide copiers used. They quit making them a long time ago. And the one I got used did not have a filter uh, uh, holder that slides into the printer. So I designed mm -hmm. one. Uh, a friend of mine also has the same slide copier. So... I taught myself how to use the CAD CAM program by designing a filter holder for that thing. But that's something that nobody else would need. So the Zafoon looks like a little clarinet. Well, or, or a little sax. Think of it as a little sax because it actually has, I think it's a tenor sax reed. Or a little tin whistle with a reed. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, and it has an unbelievable Unbelievably mellow tone. It's just cool. fabulous. Well, I expect you to post a recording of you playing something well, with it. I I did play it at the uh, buddy and I did a we had a routine worked up at the the annual performance of the Central Indiana Folk Music and Mountain Dulcimer Society. <laughs> 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 Sounds like something here in Arkansas. <laughs> I did play it. Uh, cool. To it, I did play it to an audience, but that was that was probably uh, thirty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Wow, very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, this case. This is going to be really cool, and we well, might I'm, start a business here. I might get uh, others that would get this device and want a case and. I'll be the the uh, sample, and then you can start printing them, make a little profit to pay for your 3D printer. <laughs> well, yeah, I might do that. It's somewhat of a, of course, once I get it, well, I, you know, actually, I don't know uh, whether <laughs> whether I can do that. You take, I don't know whether you take somebody's design off a thing. I've oh, heard. true, true. Yeah, and then you try that. to make money with it. I don't know that that would yeah. be. Yeah. Well, I don't think it. Number one, I don't know that you can legally do it. Number two, I don't think it would be ethically. Right, right. I agree. I agree. And you probably don't want to be that busy with it anyway. On the other hand, if I uh, take an idea and improve upon it and do my own design, it would be totally okay. Yeah, with people's but call sign. But to do uh, to do three D printing, you have to master several things, and it took me months to do this. But yeah. um, you need a CAD CAM program if you're going to design your own stuff, which yeah. most people want to do, right? Right. Yeah. Or you wouldn't get the printer in the first place. Um, you need to master a CAD CAM program. There are some that are actually web-based and that are, that are free. 
And Fusion 360 is a high-powered one that happens to be free for personal use. Yeah. So that's the one I chose to learn. It's uh, the company is Autodesk, and the yeah, heard of that. It, and it, the product is uh, Fusion Three uh, Fusion 360. And then yeah. you design something, and of course that's a learning curve to learn how to use that software. But there's again. YouTube comes to the fore, and you can just look up anything you want to do or go through a, a stepped learning program, uh, and you figure that out, and then you export out of that to a .stl file. Yep. Then you have to bring that into a slicer program. <laughs> and there, again, there's a very high-powered one that's free called Cura, C-U-R-A. And you bring your your STL file into Cura, and then you decide how you're going to print it, what resolution you're going to use, what temperature right. you're going to use, what. Uh, and what I do is I I print pretty hot on the first layer, and then I back off the temperature uh, so that it doesn't the edges don't curl up on a long print. Mm-hmm. So there's lots you you learn along the way. At any way yeah. that the, the output of the slicer program is g-code a file that ends in dot g-code yeah so it's basically like a bitmap image right no no it's it's actually a text file what that yeah it has thousands of lines and what that file does is it remember your printer head has to move in three-dimensional space and the G-code actually moves the printer head and causes filament to flow or not. Right. For example, the extruder motor, the G-code can cause the extruder motor to extrude or back up. So, for example, if you're moving the nozzle from one piece to another piece, you don't really want it to be stringing filament across the pieces as it goes. Because remember, this is melted plastic. So they, yeah. at the point it leaves one piece and travels over empty space to another one, the G-code will have that filament back up a little bit. And then when it gets to the new piece, it will run it back out again. All, all that's controlled by G-code. Huh. And so a typical... G-code project might be several megabytes or whatever it happens to be, but it's it's just line by line by line of textual instructions wow. that the I, that the interpreter and the printer can understand, right? So there's a, a a controller board in the printer that understands G-code. I had this all figured wrong. I was picturing it like a bitmap image, one layer at a time, on or off. The bitmap image is the resolution so whatever resolution you want to print that's what that layer has to be done in and then nope, the step motor does the resolution vertically no oh, i had it all pictured wrong i didn't know this no nope, it's not a not a bitmap file it's actually uh textual instructions uh, it's actually code that's why it's called huh. g code it's like any other programming yeah. language interesting and then the, then the uh, motherboard in the printer interprets that code and causes the printer to do whatever it needs to do. Huh. Interesting. Well, I learned something new. Very cool. Well, oh. it looks like Mello's having a wonderful conversation with his wife. He would have been in here normally, but they are, they're chomping at the bits to get together again, I know. <laughs> Did you ever encounter a company in Minneapolis called Toby's Tunes. Uh-uh. Well, this is back in the day when you you couldn't get online copyright few music. Now you can. You just look up what you want and you pay the money and download it, right? But yeah. back in the day, in the 70s, there were companies that provided copyright free music for your um, multimedia productions. Yeah. Now you you created your own original music, so you probably don't know about Toby. But Toby's we use Toby's tunes all the time, and 
I got the most innovative Christmas card I ever received to date in my life from Toby one year. And it was a, a, a cardboard card, a typical Christmas card. And you open it up, and there was what, what looks like, in fact, it almost looked identical to a modern cable tie, right? The, those little plastic mm -hmm. things that we wrap around cables and insert into a slot and pull it up and clip it off with wire snips. So there's this thing looked exactly like a modern cable tie. And the base of it was taped to the center of the card. And then the card simply had instructions on what to do with that thing. So one side of that strip was flat and the other side had ridges on it. Just like a modern cable tie does. Mm -hmm. And... The instructions were to put your thumbnail at the base uh, close to the card. And I can see this coming. Pinch the plastic strip. Draw your finger along the strip out until it comes off the end. And the card said Merry Christmas from Toby's Tunes. <laughs> so they weren't equal ridges. They were like a sound wave. They were exactly like a record. The old That is that is cool. You know, that's that's how a record player worked. Yeah. It followed right, right. The, the needle followed the grooves in the plastic record, right? Right. And right. so the, the the ribbed edge of this plastic strip that looks exactly like a cable tie was they were not equal. They were encoded right. with that message. And when you drug your fingernail along the grooves, it caused the card itself to vibrate exactly <laughs> like the membrane in a speaker vibrates. Sure, sure. And the card itself was the speaker. Cool. Have you seen the video where they've done this to uh, the side of a road? I think it's on Highway 66. Route 66. No. Isn't there something where they they put these ridges like you like if you're going off the road, you hit those things or if you're crossing the center line, you get that buzz. Well, somebody yes. actually put music to those ridges <laughs> and you can drive along and drive over that and listen to the music. Is that, that wild? Is that is absolutely fun. You know, what happens is you get musicians and artists. Um, well, to that point, I just read an article the other day. Somebody has figured out how to make music from the design in a spider's web. In other That's words, they're, they're translating that design into vectors or and translating the vectors into something that can play music. And it apparently is very soothing. It's very rhythmic and soothing. So, yeah, you wow. get artists investigating a variety of technologies and some very innovative stuff comes out. Yeah, well, that's kind of what's happening in ham radio, too. People start learning about these technologies. I mean, look at the little... Uh, dongles you get for uh sdr oh you know, these things fabulous. were used for digital tv and and somebody realized wait a minute this thing covers a whole spectrum maybe we can use right. this for listening to radio and here right. we go another another popular invention in amateur radio so well you know what i'm sorry i'm going to use this for the cafe cast today there's just too much fun information here <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for providing such a entertaining conversation i'll tell you you're, you're just like magic to this thing. I'm so glad that you joined us. Well, uh, I'm a little bit worried because some of the regulars have, have left since I joined. And I'm wondering if I'm having a negative effect on some. Oh, no. No, I don't they're busy think with so, other things. Because I think that <laughs> I say so. is a very interesting. Thank you, Daniel. He is. And I think the others are busy doing their other things, you know. You and I are, are retired and bored, so we have to. 
fill up our time with chat chatter. <laughs> anyway, well, thanks. Uh, I'm going to let you go. I got to start getting ready for church here, jump under the waterfall. But uh, this has been fun again. Every day is just a surprise. Well, it's always a delight. Good talking with you. I'm just, I'm still waking up, however. I'm yeah, still, I understand. Yeah. And Mello, have a safe trip. Next time we hear from you, you will be home. But anyway, we'll say 73. God bless you guys. Have a good Lord's Day. 73. Hi, this is Extra Class Amateur Radio Operator, K5DCC. I just upgraded to my Extra Class last year. You know how I did it? I used HamTest Online. Did you know that HamTest Online is the top-rated study program on eham.net? 97% of reviewers gave them five stars. They have more five-star user reviews than all other study methods combined. And success is guaranteed. If you fail the amateur radio license exam, they will refund your subscription. It's a no-brainer. You pass the exam or get a full refund. Try it for yourself at hamtestonline.com. Hello, cafeers. Denny J. here in the beautiful Ozarks of Northwest Arkansas, out in the country, 25 miles from any large city. Out here in the country, we struggle to get good internet. Maybe you have the same problem. If you live in a rural area, you don't have many options. It's either satellite or DSL or cellular. And believe me, we've tried them all. Just recently, I was more than happy to pay the penalty to get out of our satellite service. Latency was horrible. And for amateur radio communications, the delays were up to five seconds. And uh, you probably experienced what that's like. Our DSL service was also very unreliable. We rarely got the speeds that we were promised and it kept dropping out. But now I think I found a service that we're going to love. It's called Visible.com. It's a company that's owned by Verizon and kind of a paired back service, but works beautifully for my situation here out in the country on 15 acres. Visible.com offers only one plan. It's unlimited everything. Unlimited calls, text, and internet at slightly slower speeds than their top drawer plan at Verizon. But it does use the Verizon network. Go to Visible.com and use my referral code 3November37NoVemberTango. Also, to get your $40 a month bill reduced to $25, you need to be part of a party pay group. You can join me in our Digicom Cafe party. You will find the link to these things down in the show notes here, along with links to our Digicom Cafe community portal, which is a Facebook alternative. Also, our Telegram community, where we have text and voice chat, and also our live cafe cast here in the Digicom Cafe. So get your line at visible.com. And again, use my referral code and join our party to get that bill down to $25 a month. Thank you for listening to this radio on the Rocks Cafe Cast. We invite you to join our Mighty Networks Amateur Radio Community at members.digicomcafe.com. <laughs>